First, a word of thanks to Reverend Kelly Pope, uh, who wonderfully preached to us uh, last week. Uh, I want to introduce this series in a couple of weeks. Uh, I don't have time this morning because of communion, so we'll we'll do a deep dive into kind of preparing for this series. But just for today, let's stay in this word as we prepare our hearts to receive of this meal, but also to give glory to God. And that's that's the first point where we are. You, you hear those first two verses. We said them together in response of reading. That's the call. That's so much of the call of the Psalms. It's the, the hymn book of the Old Testament, but it was also the hymn book of Jesus calling people to worship, or as Philip Yancey in his book, The Bible That Jesus Read. He's got a great section on the Psalms, and I love what he said. He says, the Psalms teach us how to praise and how to adore in their prayers, in their songs, in their laments, in every season and facet of life. Here's how you can still call upon the name of the Lord. Worship the Lord. It's verse 1. It's verse 2. Give glory to God. Verse 2, verse verse 9. For his name, for his strength, for his holiness, give glory and worship God. But also, in thinking through this verse today, it's not only a call that we need to be reminded to to, to worship God for who he is. He's like no other God, and we'll see that in just a minute. But I love what Eugene Peterson says to the church. He says, worship is the strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves. Worship is the time and place that we assign for deliberate attentiveness to God because our self-importance is so insidiously relentless that if we don't deliberately interrupt ourselves regularly in worship, we have no chance of attending to God at all other times in other places. We worship God because of his name and his holiness, but also we come together here in the house of God. We have our times in our prayer closets and family worship because we want to make sure we don't miss him so that we'll take him with us at all times. But looking at verses 3 through 11, there's so much more here about why we worship. We see the voice of God over all things. It's a good word for us today. It's also an unsettling word. I told you before, my dad built home speakers out of what are concert speakers. He worked for the world's largest concert company in the world. And so the speakers we had at our home stood about this tall and were about that wide. It wasn't just the windows in the 1970s paneling that shook when I played my rock and roll. Other houses shook, right? No Bee Gees on my turntable in the 70s. It was hard rock music. Hear, hear how the Lord's voice rocked and shook the world. His voice, verse 3, is over the waters. Verse 5, his voice breaks or splinters the cedars of Lebanon. If you listen to what Isaiah says about cedars, it's like they represent human pride, and God crushes those with his voice. Voice, uh, Verse 18, his voice shakes the wilderness, that place of fear for them, that place in the New Testament where the devil shows up, that place in Isaiah 13 and 34 where monsters show up, that place in Jeremiah 3 that's called a place of immorality, that place in Leviticus. 16, that's such a desolate place that that's where we send the scapegoat. That place, scary, immoral, God's voice speaks and he shakes it. 
We praise him for his authority. We praise him for his power over those places. And really, and this is where we'll close, we, we praise him for what that says about his authority and power over our lives. Because all of us have a place right now somewhere in our life that's either wilderness, it's the waters, or maybe it's the pride of the cedars. All of us have those places, and God will come to us in those places. For, for waters in that day, those were scary. That was a scary thing. You watch these prideful fishermen with Jesus who know what it is to be a good fisherman. Look at us, and when the storms come, they're, 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 they're crying, and they're screaming for help because they don't want to die in the waters and have their bones be separated for the resurrection. They know that maybe Leviathan, as the Scripture says, is in the water. The waters were a scary place for that people. It's no wonder that God has to say in the book of Revelation, I think twice, look, the water's going to be like glass in heaven. I'm going to still everything for you. Those places of fear. All of us have been in storms. Maybe, you're, maybe your life is constantly a storm. And the psalmist says God's voice is over that. He sits like a king over that flood in verse 10. And he wants to come and be with you in your storm and over what, whatever fear is in your life, whatever waters there are. But then also he comes to us in our human sufficiency where we trust in ourselves and his voice is over those cedars in verse Five And we'll, we can all be tempted to trust in ourselves, our talents, our family, our, 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 our personality. Look what I can do, my skills. And, and listen, we were just reading in our Bible reading plan, Zechariah 11, and it says that God devours the cedars. You can't read things like that after reading Isaiah, reading this psalm, reading Zechariah, and say, Lord, am I trusting in myself or am I really trusting in you? Is my trust in you? Will your voice shake whatever puffing up there is in my life? Look at me. Whatever self-sufficiency or I'll take care of myself, it's my way, my family, my job. Wherever there's any sense of that, come and have your will and your way there. Shake that from me. But then lastly, the wilderness. This is a scary place. It's a scary place for the psalmist David recalling verse 8, Kadesh. You remember that, Numbers 20. It's not only where Miriam dies but, but, and is buried, but there's no water there, and the people are complaining against Mo Moses and Aaron. You remember back in Deuteronomy 1, where they're not going to the Holy Land except Caleb and Joshua. And so Deuteronomy 1, they cry there. It's a place of failure. Many of us have been there, and that's one of the reasons we keep coming back to this meal. We failed the Lord, and Lord, would you be merciful again? Or maybe we're just in a spiritual sense of dryness. It may not even be our fault, and that's the wilderness for them as well. It's, it's a place where there's barrenness, where there's no fruit, there's no life. There really are, as David would say later in the Psalms or earlier, there, there, there's uh, uh, green pastures and still waters. There's none of that in the wilderness. We just got to trust that God's going to prepare that and gift that to us. Whatever the failure, whatever the dry season, or maybe whatever the hurt in your life or disappointment in your life for the people of God in Deuteronomy and, and, and Numbers, will you and I trust the Lord and his voice to speak over those things? David experienced all three. 
David had been through the storms of life with Saul and with his own children. He knew what it was to be on the run, to be on the outs in the wilderness. And he knew what it was to be puffed up and to take whatever he wanted to take. And he can say to us, many people think this is a later psalm. He can say to us later in life, God is worthy of worship and he will strengthen and bless if we'll give him our failures, if we'll give him our fears, if we'll give him our pride, it's just like God to strengthen and bless. Hurricane Charlie, back in 2004, just thinking of the devastating effect of, of, of storms. Not many things stood, not many billboards stood, but one billboard was taken note of in the news that stood because it ripped off uh, a little corner of, of the, the, whatever was the, the current ad and it ripped off the corner of the previous ad and what was under there was just these words exposed after hurricane charlie we need to talk god after a storm in life he'll come that's what pentecost is for these disciples who have been broken and who were fearful god shows up in acts two and they're never the same if there's a place that's sea for you that's a place of fear He'll meet you. There's a place where you've been grasping for your own way. He'll come and bring forgiveness and give you a new start. If there's a place where there's dryness or maybe uh, with, with wilderness, whatever, whatever that may be, a place of failure, bring it to this altar rail today and he will meet us here. We're reminded of his great grace to us in Christ Jesus as we celebrate this meal and as we respond to his invitation because Almighty God invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and who seek to live in peace with one another. We remember this morning that on the night in which Christ was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Almighty God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.